and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome, welcome, a great big warm welcome to you all over winter Australia. Welcome to our program, Hunty. G'day, mate. Always a big warm welcome to you too, mate. Thanks, bud. It's always good to be here. And I'm glad to have you here too. Woohoo. We've got a good program today. We sure do. Do you know what's coming up? I do. Can you share with us? Okay. Well, a friend of mine, Brian Patterson, he is an Australian music rock legend from the 60s and 70s. An icon. An icon. He's going to tell us, well, hopefully, he's going to tell us about his journey to Jesus. Actually, we've got some pretty famous people on the program today. And we've got your friend, Todd. Yeah, because he played for Australia in football, soccer, the real round ball. He's quite an accomplished um, football player. Yeah, he is. And Mm. his journey, well, not just his journey to Jesus, his journey with Jesus, pretty inspiring. And uh, we just are looking forward to sharing the next couple of hours here with you on Aussie time, uh, Aussie Pastor Drive Time. How you like that? I do. I like that. Aussie Pastor Drive Time. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Two things today. We'd like you to contact us. Of course. Two things. We'd like to contact you to contact us with two things. Number one, prayer. If you have a prayer request, and this is going to get bigger and bigger on this program, isn't it? You can send into us a prayer request and we will pray over that prayer request here live on radio. That's right. What's the second thing? And the second thing is if you have a question for the Aussie pastor, so any biblical question, anything that has you scratching your noodle, if you email or SMS us on 0488 double eight zero eight five one that number again zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepastor.com we'll put these questions to pastor lloyd and he will be answering them have you learned that number off by heart yet i wish you've been doing this for 15, <laughs> 15 you told me this weeks. is 15 weeks we've been on air that's right and you still don't know that off by heart so you're 16 weeks we've been on air yes we could be on air for 10 years and i'm not going to know that number <laughs> that's because we're old heart. <laughs> well we're not are we old i'm old yeah i'm feeling old too. i'm a granddad yeah i know it's a wonderful thing isn't it my kids always used to say you're older than dirt <laughs> i'm not a granddad yet but uh probably not that far away uh, the way life goes, it, it tends to just go really quick. That's uh, it. But we're glad you're here. We're yeah. really glad you're here. Hope you stick with us. This is going to be a great day as we uh, talk about to some very interesting people. And I just hope, as I always do, that as we go through this program together, that you will get a snapshot into the beautiful Jesus. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. Two really interesting news stories this week. Oh, yeah, what's w- that? When I found these stories, it actually little, lit a little fire inside of me. Does that make sense? Ooh. Yeah, Sounds it did. Juicy. Both, both of them did, for different reasons. Uh, and I could spend half an hour on these each, but we better not, because we've got a lot of other things to do today. Um, this girl called, now, I hope I get this right, Yunmi Park and her mother. They fled North Korea 13 years ago, and they went over the, the frozen Yellow River, and they were sold into slavery by human traffickers. Well, they were, they were saved by some Christian missionaries and they ended up tracking across the Gobi Desert and she ended up in America with her mother and she now goes to Columbia University. Now, her story in itself is an amazing story. But what is even more amazing is what she's concluded about what she is experiencing at 
Columbia University in the United States of America, one of the big, big universities in the US, one of the big, big universities yep. of the Western democracies. Yep. She said, this is her quote, quote, she's expecting to learn how to think critically, but instead she was forced to think the way the university wanted her to think. She also said she was confused by people claiming they were oppressed when they were when they went to a half a million dollar a year school. Yeah, I actually heard that. <laughs> yeah, and, and she goes on, she said, I, I realised when I went there that no longer do Western universities think or teach you to think critically, but what they're trying to do is, is force us, and these are her words, into a woke agenda. Wow. Wow. She actually says the university in Colombia was less free and more inhibitive than the learning in North Korea. I actually heard a quote, I think, from her. I think she is reportedly to have said, all the problems are white men. Yeah, she did say that. She did, she doesn't believe that. But oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't actually going to get into that. <laughs> well, we're white men. <laughs> well, hunty, sometimes you are a problem. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, so am I. I um. What is woke? Because this word, it's only in the last year or two that you start to hear this word drifting across our radars, isn't it? I think on a very superficial level, you put all your your recycling in the recycling bin, you're a vegan, um, you think about everyone else's feelings first, you understand all the LGBTQI issues and personal pronouns and you take it all to heart and you respect everyone to the max. Um, you're probably part of a generation of people who didn't let kids score when they were playing games at school. Yeah, yeah. So no one's feelings are hurt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, so, my, that's my idea of woke. What, do you, what is it really? Yeah, no, no, I think you're probably right. It's, it's, it's a concentration on the needs of the minorities, and you could say that have so long been not recognised. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing, though. Well, there can be some good things in that. Absolutely. Sure. I think what she was complaining about is that the universities are forcing their students to think in a particular way. And that is unusual because universities are actually recognised for being the opposite to that. They always challenge the edge, the boundary. In fact, often they go over the boundary. Mm. And you look at Western democracy and Western history, it's from the heart of the universities, the heart of our young people, that the new ideas and the new civilizations have arisen. And I think of the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation found its heart and its birth in the universities of Western Europe, of Germany, of Switzerland, uh, uh, of these nations, of, yep. Eng of England. Yep. Yep. This is where, where, where the Protestant Reformation came from. And I think what she's alarmed from is not the woke ideology, I think most of us recognise that in what we, again, quotations, consider to be the woke ideology is, is some genuine and real and, and worthy concerns. Yeah, of course. I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, and I don't like the fact now that you can make a joke about anything. We used to be able to laugh at ourselves. I know. We can no longer laugh at ourselves. No, because they might offend someone. In fact, you can no longer laugh at anybody. Or I can anything. laugh at you. I can laugh at you. You do laugh but at me. You, laugh, you at me. laugh at me all the time. Well, we enjoy that. But I think you laugh at me more than I laugh at you because I make more mistakes than you. <laughs> He'll purposefully do things that'll lead me down a road so he can have a good laugh. Oh, dear. That's all right, hunty. I'll expose you. I feel the burn. <laughs> what do you think we can learn when we when we... 
read these sorts of articles from this sort of girl who's who's kind of um, frustrated. Well, George Orwell had had some very poignant comments to make in 1984. Yeah, about how the world's going to end up. It's kind of going that way, isn't it? It would seem so. Not that he was prophetic. I think the thing is this for me, Hunty. Yep. We need to allow people to have different opinions on different things and on different ideas, have different concepts than us without getting too overly offended. Oh, I agree. I mean, right through my life, I've been listening to different views and different opinions, and even when they offend me, I reserve the right for them to have that view and that opinion. I posted and a quote on my Facebook page. Oh, sorry, sorry. After yeah, yeah, you. no, no, go, go. I posted a quote on my Facebook page where um, Albo said when he was with uh, the previous Prime Minister that he would never allow any boat people to settle in Australia. Now he's having a go at ScoMo because he's saying, have a heart, let these people settle. Now, I agree they should be allowed to settle in Australia, but the political correctness has changed since he was last in power. Yeah, well, and it does always change. I think the issue is we allow people to think. We allow people to express, opinions. yeah, to express their opinions without putting them in jail. And we're getting to the place now in our culture and our civilization, even in our country, where if you express an opinion on something, if it offends someone else, they will literally fine you or put you in jail. Mm. See Victoria, mm, mm. see Victoria and Dan Andrews, and that's, that's right. a fact. That's right. All right. What about this other one? ABC accuses Scott Morrison of validating a coup. QAnon. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to get that right. Huh. on conspiracy theories at the best behest of his good mate. Let's not worry too much about whether Scott Morrison is guilty of that or not. I don't think he is. I think it was a ridiculous... I think it was a ridiculous I, claim. I actually watched the ABC. Yeah, it is. It is. But who is this QAnon? I think they were most probably... The poster child is that guy with the, the buffalo suit on in the, in the White House, the recent break-in back in January with the two horns on his head. He is the poster child of QAnon. What do they actually believe? Do you know or does anybody know? Um, no, I don't really know. I, I think they're kind of into the idea that the world is run by a very small yes. sect of men, men who are pedophiles, pedophiles. Mm. who sacrifice children yep. and are bringing about all sorts of things. Yep. Even the latest COVID-19 yep. pandemic is brought on by this small group select of men. They... Rip Trump off of his. Now I don't. I don't go along with them, but they rip Trump off in the election, and he should have been the president, and he wasn't because they're in charge, and they'll say who rules and who leads, and what happens, and what virus will come, and mm. like they've got a stranglehold of the world. That that's them. Mm. And I think ABC was trying to make a very tenuous link between that shadowy group yeah. and Scott Morrison, which yeah. is unfortunate. I think the ABC can do they better, can do than, better than, than that. that. Yeah. They can do better yeah, than that. Absolutely. What worries me about that, though, is they reckon that Australia is the third largest country in the world in straight raw numbers when it comes to following this uh, theory this uh, conspiracy theory. Well, we do like conspiracy theories in Australia. We do, don't we? We do. You and I have noticed that. Yep. You're not into conspiracy theories. Uh, Actually, listeners, he is. He they, loves it. They do, he loves tend, a good... they do tantalise me, but no, I try and stay away. <laughs> you love a good conspiracy theory, though, don't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what worries me about this? What's that? Prophecy yes. never has it been more important than we unlock Bible prophecy for the listening and the watching public. And as you see these sorts of uh, what I call pretty wild conspiracy theories come out there, sometimes Bible prophecy gets lumped up in with this crazy stuff, especially when Christians fool around with it. 
It gets lumped in, and it brings disrepute upon the cause of God. If you really want to see what's going on in the world now, if you really want to see the conspiracy that is unfolding, you want to see the facts, you want to know the facts, then you go to the Bible. Amen. In the Bible, you're going to find out what's going, to, what's going on now and what's going to happen in the future, and the Bible is sure. It's not a, give me the word again. Conspiracy theory? Qu- 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 oh, a QAnon. How do you say that, man? Q-Anonymous. So Q-Anon. No, it's a, it's short for Q anonymous. Yeah, but how do you say it? Q anon. Q anon. Q anon. The Bible is not a Q anon conspiracy theory. Correct. It's truth and fact. But you know, when I see all these things, when I see our universities forcing a narrow range of thought on our students who come out to become our citizens and our leaders, when I see groups like Q anon, how they go, brother? Groups like Q anon running around with these wild conspiracy theories, stirring up large percentages, and it's millions. Yep. Large percentages of the population know what I'm thinking? Yep. Look up, because the world tells us, the Mm. signs tell us that Jesus will soon be here. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Uh, We've got Randy Travis back, Hunty. Cool. Sometimes on this program we we get a, a, a run of... The same singer. We've been playing, this will be the third or fourth song we've played of Randy Travis. Yep. And no wonder, because this one's a beauty. It's beautiful, I know you'll enjoy it. Precious Lord, take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, and I'm worn Through the storm, through the night Lead me on to the light Take my Precious Lord, lead me on When my way grows unclear Precious Lord, anger near When my Oh 
our show today, Brian Patterson, who has a very interesting story. Welcome, Brian. Now, without giving your age away, you've been around with us for a fair while. Um, well, can I can, can, can I say you're a child? You're, you're a young person of the hippie sixties. Would that be correct if I were to say that? That would be right. Yeah. So if he's young in the hippie sixties, you work it out. He was probably born in the forties sometime. So, uh, am I right? Am I pretty close? Yeah, forty-seven, mate. Ah, uh, forty-seven. Okay, well, we can work it out there. Uh, you have yeah. a great story, and it's 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 all about the power of Jesus and His grace. Um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, I was uh, born in Kempsey. I was the second last of eight, and um, you know we were pretty poor. And I left school at fourteen and worked in the timber mills. Uh, but um, I always wanted to play guitar, and my mum bought the guitar when I was about ten, and yeah. I taught myself to play. Taught myself to play. And, um, and when, uh, I was, I was 16, um, I decided to head for the, for the beach folk, <laughs> uh, and try my hand, uh, in Sydney, get a job, and then try my hand in the music scene. Yep. Now, before you get to Sydney, if I've got the story right, you went to an evangelism program, is that right? As a kid. But you had to go there well, 10 times for something. Yeah, what happened there, yeah, uh, they, my mother, uh, who uh, was an Adventist. Uh, she was converted at my birth, actually. The guy that delivered me was an Adventist doctor, mm. and I was named after him. Mm. And um, uh, she was an Adventist. And when I was about nine, I think, something like that, uh, an evangelist came to town. I forget his name now. Um, but um, my mother said to me, look, if you come X amount of nights out of the the 10 nights or 14 nights it was on, if I went to seven or eight nights, um, I got a free Bible. Well, to a kid, that doesn't have anything, mm. you know what I mean? Um, and the Bible was a sort of a special book. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so I rocked along with mum and sat through the whole thing. I don't think I understood a lot of it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but I did it, and I ended up with this Bible that, that uh, ended up sort of going with me everywhere. I, we, Not that I read it. <laughs> no, uh, I suppose it was a King James Version Bible too, back it, then. It was, yeah, it, and it had it had had the HMAS Richards uh, HMAS Richards uh, helps in the back. You know? Well, HMS Richards was a very famous American evangelist, Adventist evangelist, and he did. Yeah. They did. Provo- they did print a Bible that had kind of Bible studies in the back of it, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, which which, which became a big help for me later on. Well, we'll get to that. You're 16 years of age, yeah. which is pretty young. Even uh, look, I know life was different back there, but here you are, 16 years of age in your head for Sydney. And by the way, how did you get to Sydney? Train. Okay, so all night. All, all night. night. Train all night. So yep. you turn up to Sydney. Did you know anyone there? Did you have anywhere to yeah, go? Yeah. Well, I did. Uh, a couple of amusers or young blokes from Kempsey had come down to work as well, and they said, look, if you come down, we can form a band and you can live with us. So um, we all lived in this converted garage in Bunks, uh, down behind their employer. Uh, the employer son was a drummer in the band, so there were four of us. Yep. And uh, myself and the two boys from Kempsey and the, the son who was a drummer and we, we had a band and we used to play basically in the talent quest around the pub. Okay, you know, so yeah. You had, you had the Miller circuit and the Lenox circuit and uh, to get people in one night a week, 
they would have a, a talent quest, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. With some prize money. Yep. So we would float around these pubs, and um, uh, and that's how I started my showbiz. One night, though, I went in solo and played guitar booby shuffle. Yep. And I actually put it uh, in those days. I supposed to put it up behind the head and yep. play it backwards. <laughs> and, and, hey, um, don't you do that and, now? No, so if we get you I to could, play, if we, if, if we get you to play in church one day, you're not going to put the guitar up behind your head. No, 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 no. But anyway, this particular this particular night, I, 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 and I'm, by the way, I'm underage. I shouldn't have been in the pub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm barely at that stage, seventeen. Yep. And um, uh, I do this thing, and the guy comes down out of the band, and he says to me, "Look, we're going on tour." With a national star in those mm-hmm. days, her name was Laura Lee, and she was on television, bandstand, all that stuff all the time. Everyone yep. knew her. Yep. And um, she said, we're going on tour with Laura Lee, and we need a lead guitar player. He said, "Are you interested? Am I interested?" <laughs> 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 that night, I was in the band, man, <laughs> and uh, we were uh, off around the countryside into uh, New South Wales, Victoria, uh, with Laurel and. Um, it was a sort of a big tent show on the showgrounds, you know, yeah, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it was quite enlightening for a country kid. Like, um, the eyes were really opened up. Um, How old were you when this around. went? Were you still 16, 17 when this went down? 17. I turned 18 on the road with Laurel. I remember the first, um, when I, the night I turned 18, she came and knocked on my door. Yep. And she said, you're a man now, Brian, you can go to the pub. I'm taking you out to the pub for your birthday. <laughs> That's a real Aussie approach to things, isn't it? <laughs> Turn 18, you can have a drink now. Um, yeah, yeah. You actually, for a self-taught boy, you must have actually been a pretty good guitarist, Brian. You, like you must have taken to a natural gift sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. My, my big problem, I've never ever read music. And yeah. um, it, 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 it would be better if you could read music. You know, I, mean, I couldn't, yeah. but... But yeah, I was pretty handy back then, and um, uh, you know, I manoeuvred into some top bands uh, after I finished tour with Laura Lee. The tour actually finished, and I didn't have a job. Yeah. So uh, I, I I finished the tour at Royal Easter Show, mm. and uh, in those days, uh, Normie Rowe was a big name, and Johnny Young was hit, hit the uh, mm. uh, he hadn't quite hit because I remember I backed Johnny Young yeah. on his maiden uh, maiden. Uh, Appearance in Melbourne. Yeah, but um, so you went. You went and played with these guys. I did. Yeah, um, they picked me up uh, after the, the tour finished. Another band picked me up, and um, you remember Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs? Yes, I do. Well, Billy Thorpe's Aztecs broke up, and Vince Maloney was the lead guitar player who ended up going with the VGs. Yeah, um, and uh, he had a band called the Vince Maloney Sect, and when Vince um, uh, was called by the VGs to go over. and be the, their guitar player. I took his place in the, in the, and have become the sect. Yeah. I worked with some of the major artists in, in those days and eventually migrated up to a band called The Executives, which were a really top outfit. Yeah. Well, you're, you're living in Sydney in the 60s. Um, what sort of town was it? I suppose they're full of US soldiers and drugs and parties. Yeah. Have I got that right or is that not? Well, you're right. Man. Look, I can tell you the first time. You imagine I'm, I'm a kid totally green and naive, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm very much a country boy. And um, and the first time I ever uh, took a drug was with 
one of the VGs. Uh, sorry, one of the easy beats. Yep. You know the easy beats? Yeah, I do. They, they had tried on my mind in, in, as a hit in um, England, and yeah. they were back in, in to tour Australia, and, and one of them was of my pet one, one night, and uh, introduced me to, to this weed he had. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I went pretty boggle-eyed, let me tell you. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, yeah. but that was my introduction. My introduction, and it, it was alive. He was alive. The Vietnam War was on. The roller derby was in town. The World Championship wrestling was on at the stadium, and King's Cross was just alive. It was yeah. just like shoulder, shoulder to shoulder as you walked down the street. And I lived in the Cross. I lived yeah. right in the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and the, the amazing thing about it is, I would come home overnight. Um, high on speed and when you're high on speed you can't sleep you know yeah. you, you know your eyes are wide open and uh, I, I, I come home and out of sheer boredom I used to pick this bible out I had it's like amazing bad. this is the same bible and, that you got as a kid in yeah. the evangelism program exactly right yep and and, and 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 I went straight over the back because I knew there were questions and answers yeah 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 <laughs> and uh and so I buried my, my, my head into that, and, and, and it started to speak to me. And back then, I was known for my very much my colourful language. I was mm. very good at it. Yeah. And um, um, all that started to cease. And, and, and all the guys in the, the museums who were pretty rough diamonds, uh, Bondi, they'd say, hey, what's going on with Pato? Weird, man. Yeah. What's going on? He's <laughs> <laughs> changing. What the, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And, and I hadn't spoken to anyone. Yeah, uh, no one beautiful. was converting me. Yeah. It was just ha- happening. And and so the next amazing thing was, uh, I'm talking to the guys. I said, mate, you've got to check this out, man. You know, because yeah. I was I was talking about the back of the beast and all the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. And um, I decided I would get someone to help me. Yeah. And so uh, I rang up. The only church I knew was that church. Mm. Didn't know anyone else. Mm. Um, mm. So, so I I looked under the the white pages, Seventh Day Adventist, and there was the number. So I rang up, and she said, "Oh, this is head office." You and, got um, through to the South Pacific Division. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, "She said, where do you live? What you tell you? You need to to ring the local pastor, um, yeah. Pastor Brian Cray, mm. and Brian had not been ordained at that stage." So, so I ring this guy up, and I said, listen, Rev, uh, I'm checking out the word, and I said, I want you to rock out here and sort of lay it on us and sort of fill us in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he knocks on the door, and I open it up, we're ready for him, or I am, and, and he's, he's got the suit, the, the, the white shirt and the, and the, and the tie, and, and our place, and I, I've talked to all the music, I said, mate, this guy's coming, mate, you want to check it out. Mm. Um so they're all sitting around in beanbags. The place is full of smoke. And, <laughs> and I'm, guessing that's not, I'm guessing that's not cigarette smoke, too. <laughs> yeah, so he comes off, rock in, mate. So they, they, they said, sit down there in the lounge, mate. And, and we're all looking at him. So, so, well, man, you know, we want to know a bit more about this word. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and anyway, I think I think we scared him to death. And um, But anyway, uh, he took me under his wing, he and his wife, Micah. Yep. And um, because I got up and left show business and left and got a job in a laundry because I didn't know how to do anything else but mm. play guitar. Yeah. Did you and, did you and, leave um, did you leave show business because you're starting to experience Jesus and you felt the call out? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I said, no, this, this is not the go. This, this, this thing, well, where I'm going is not where it's at. Yep. You know, I've, I've got to get out of here. How would you describe your life with Jesus since then, and why is it better? Why is Jesus better? Because most people would look at your life and say, uh, really, Brian? You're playing with these famous bands, making good money, living the life. Um, how how would you describe life with Jesus since, and, and why is it better? Well, look, to be honest, uh, I just back back then I was I was looking for what was true about life. You know what I mean? My problem was I, I I just knew the truth was there. The Jesus was the truth. You know, I, I just I was totally convinced about all that, and, and and that my life had changed. There was something missing, man. You know, there was, uh, and it was all doctrine. My my life I, after a few years fell apart, and 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 I ended up going through divorce. And I've been remarried for thirty four years, but uh, I went through some some horror stuff, and and uh and i didn't know why and uh because i was always trying to measure up i was tr- always trying yeah. and and because because that can I be a mistake that can be a mistake a lot of christians make too isn't it especially early on where they they think they've got to measure up they've got to be good that this is what it's all about yeah well i think to be honest mate, in the adventures of what the where i was it was all that if anyone said are oh, you saved no one put up their hand in the church they yeah. they would think that was presumption you know what i mean and, and, um, Paul was happy to say it, wasn't he, when he said, "I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able." Absolutely, yeah. And so, so Lloyd, um, the Jesus I've come to know is a lot different to uh, to where I was years ago, and yeah. um, I've had to go, and I've had to go through a, a, a fair bit of uh, ups and downs to just discover that. Um, that uh, he's he's done it all. Yeah. It, it's 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 all over, yeah. uh, and and I'm complete. I've been fully reconciled to him. Yeah. Uh, uh, God is reconciling to him my, uh, to himself in Christ. Yeah. Um, and I, I just know, and I know my life's now hid in Christ. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when yeah. Christ appears, so shall I feel with it. And I, I just know that now. Yeah. That 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 it's all him. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with me, you know, it's got nothing to do with my condition, it's got to do with my position. Yeah. <laughs> how, how would you, um, how would you explain to somebody the Jesus you now know? The Lord I've come to know is someone who loves me unconditionally and I just know it in my mm. spirit. Not a day goes past I don't wake up and feel grateful for what he has done, mm. uh, mm. for me. It, it, it moves your spirit. Like, yeah, like, it does. I, I, I just, I just, uh, I just, and that's why I write what I do. Um, I, I write them. I only write gospel these days. I don't write anything else. And for the last uh, twenty years or thirty years, all I've written is gospel. I don't write secular music. Full stop. So you still play the guitar uh, and sing? I do. I, I love writing. I'd love to write for other singers. Actually, yeah, I, I, I sometimes write stuff that's a bit beyond me. <laughs> You've got a song here. Uh, uh, we want to hear. And then we'll come back and say goodbye, but it's called uh, Walk With Me. Can you throw us to that one, mate? Yeah, I wrote it for, for a mate, actually. Yeah. Uh, a, he, a heathen mate of mine uh, who used to be the musical director of the Bourbon and Beef State in King's Cross mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of COVID said, listen, you guys, we're all going to sing a song. And he said, come on, Paddy, you've got to do one too. And I said, mate, I only do gospel, so you're going to get a gospel song. Yep. So I wrote this and, and did this. Um, I said, the Jesus walk with me. Uh, I need the light of the world 
Yeah, go ahead, my feet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you picked it up and, um, yeah. And, and by the way, you made it sound better than I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's listen to this song by Brian, Brian yeah. Patterson, written and sung by Brian Patterson. I said to Jesus, walk with me. I need the light of the world guide by feet. There is no other I need to know. Just cover my life and guide me I go. He is our freedom. joining us today fascinating story of how you went and lived uh, i guess the life that everybody dreams of a life in the world and yet in the end you knew that jesus was always going to be better and you've walked with him for a long time now thank you for the journey with you and thank you for spending time with us today yeah good to talk to you boy yeah god bless you you too mate bye-bye you're listening to the aussie pastor here on faith fm you know what amazes him about those guys? Superstars hunting. He was yep. a bit of an Aussie icon superstar, as you said, uh, old 60s rocker. Yep. Once they meet Jesus Christ, it's how humble they are. 
Yes. And when we're interviewing them, and you can back me up on this, oh, yeah. we've literally got to pull out of them yeah. who they were singing, what superstar group they were with and who are they singing with. And yep. I, mean, I know he sang with Normie Rowe. I know he sang with a whole bunch of... Famous Australian. Really big he Australian. Didn't, he yeah. didn't mention that, did he? No. We, the, what, the little bit we, we got out of him just then, yep. I'm trying to pull it out of him. And <laughs> <laughs> ah, God bless him. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. You move on. Humble. You yes. move on. Th- right. th- those, old, those old things that everyone looks up at as glamorous, they're gone. They're gone. And, and he sees it for what it is, just a mirage that never gave him anything. Yep. And that's why he got out of it, yep. you know, pretty young. Yep. Um, I want to talk to you, Hunty, just for a few moments about something I reckon is a big deal in our community. And it's in the news all the time. It's on radio. It's on television. It's domestic violence. Oh, yes. How would you, how would you define domestic violence? Well, in its worst case, it's um, partners raping partners. It's more than just sexual assault, though. Of course, it's it's, it's all it's kinds physical, of physical, any sort of mental, a, physical, yeah, financial. Um, now, is a, new, is a new one they've identified? Okay, yeah, it, it's actually any sort of violence that one partner perpetrates yep. to another. Yep. And there's some pretty scary statistics out there. But before we get into that, first time I ever came across any sort of domestic violence in my life was when I was a young pastor on the Gold Coast and I turned up to do a Bible study with a young lady and her husband was in the process of beating her up. Oh, no way. And uh, I was big. And well, still big, but I, <laughs> I was young back then and pretty strong, and I I, I did bring a, a fairly sudden stop to that yeah, good experience. But good, it 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 was shocking in itself, and I've had quite a few um, incidences of recent times in my ministry. One guy had a very close relative who was murdered by her partner in Canberra. Oh, dear. And the sad ending of that story is this was his cousin and uh, just really a few weeks ago he committed suicide and his suicide I think was directly related to the loss of the of his of his cousin when she was so brutally murdered uh, down in Canberra. Can you give us some uh, a couple of figures, Hunty, about what's sure. going on in Australia when it comes to domestic violence? Well it's almost one woman each week is killed by a man in Australia. Yeah, that's scary. One in six women will be sexually violated. Mm. Um, 25% of all women have, have experienced emotional abuse from their current or their previous partner. Let me tell you one that'll scare you. Two point two million Australians have experienced sexual or physical violence. Two point two million. Wow. Um, Each day, seventeen adults are hospitalised by their partner. Indigenous people thirty times more likely to be hospitalised because of domestic violence. What about the kids? Twenty six thousand five hundred kids. Think of this: <laughs> a year experience some sort of homelessness. Because of domestic violence. Wow. These are incredible um, figures. Horrendous numbers. Um, what do you think it is about our culture and our society that sees domestic violence despite all the news, despite all the help out there, despite 
every government in Australia working to bring these numbers down? What is it that fuels it and why is it increasing when you would think normally with all the attention it's getting, it should be decreasing? What do you reckon is going on? Well, they say that the behaviour is modelled. So there are young men growing up in households and watching their fathers mistreat women. How disgraceful is that? What's What amazed me about this is one woman is killed every nine days Yep, and you would think that's from a husband or a father. But what about this one? One man every 15. Yep. So you, you, you're talking about uh, 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 women, but it, it's, it's actually being, and this amazing, mm, mm. perpetrated against men too. Yep. So you think it's because they're being modelled this in their family? Well, that's that. there is some talk that it's a behaviour that's passed on from generation what to generation. What about the media, the games, the songs that, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. that, that kids are listening to? Exactly. You think that's having an impact? Grand Theft Auto. You know what you do in that game? Yeah, drive around in a car, running people down, killing cops and prostitutes. Do you think there's a frustration in our culture and our society from people as life is not working out how they think it should and they're taking wow. that out on their partners? Wow. I find it so staggering that even happens. I, I grew up in a family... And my dad and mum liked each other and loved each other. Mm. I, I just I just find it so hard to even conceive that a loving couple would get to the point where they're beating each other up. You know, when you study prophecy and you look at the Bible and it talks about end times, it does talk about the stresses yes. that yes. men and women will experience as the world degenerates and collapses and the resulting depression and violence. that will, The Bible talks about it, violence that will come from that experience. And it seems to me, Hunty, like the world has fallen apart. It is degenerating. It is dissolving. It is in chaos. And as this chaos is is extended further and deeper into our culture and into our families, one of the one of the results, one of the fruits is this violence, which is sexual, physical, mental. It's all sorts. Mm. Um, and it seems to me there's only one answer to the violence in our culture that seems to be growing, growing, growing. You know, all the counselling is good. All the programs put out by the government is good, is necessary, is important. All these initiatives that we see coming through the media and 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 through those who look after us, uh, through the medical field, through through state and federal government, these are all good. But really, the answer to the violence that comes out of our hearts and we express it in our treatment of others is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yep, totally. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I know this from my own experience, he will give you a peace that passeth all understanding. It will it will take the fire out of you. Mm. It'll take the mm. violence away from you, and you'll be a new man or a new woman. Indeed. And I'd like to say this too. If you are listening to our program today and you have suffered or are suffering domestic violence, get help. Yep. Go to the police, go to the police, go to your church, go to a counsellor and get help and get help immediately. You don't have to take, you do not have to experience domestic violence. It is not normal. It is not something that you should tolerate. It is not something in our culture, in the world, any culture that is acceptable, you don't have to take it. And if you're suffering... Sexual or physical assault or violence in your life, I encourage you very strongly to go and get help. Until you want to say something, I was going to add my my favourite adage: if if a drunken partner comes home and and hits you, 
and you forgive that person, they are the luckiest person on earth. If they do it a second time and you forgive them, you are the craziest person on earth. Do not put up with domestic violence. No. So if you're a victim, don't put up with it. If you are a perpetrator, then I only have one word to say, and I, I, I say it as strongly as I can. Mm. Stop. Stop. There's stop no it. excuse. Just stop, stop it. it. Yeah, stop it. Yeah. There's no excuse. And if you need help to stop it, you go and get that help. You go and get counselling. You go and talk to a pastor. You you ring the helplines, uh, any of the helplines, any of the lifeline, any, they, they will send you to places where you can get help. And there's nothing. There's no shame, is there, Hunty, in Absolutely getting help? Absolutely no. In fact, one of the first things you've got to do if you've got a problem like this is to acknowledge you've got a problem mm. and then reach out for and, help. And break the chain. Yeah, and if someone judges you, well, that's not the person you should be going to for help. Yep. But if you go to a counsellor or a pastor or you go to a lifeline or someone like I can guarantee you they won't judge you. They will help you. And you can turn your life around. You can become a new man or a woman yep. if you will take the help. And, of course, Jesus is central, I believe. Always have that. Always. Jesus is central to that change. So domestic violence, one more time, if it's being perpetrated against you, go get help. Don't stay there. Don't don't tolerate it. Don't put up with it. Escape. Get help. Get help. Get help. And if you're a perpetrator, my last word, yep. stop. stop it. Don't do it. Yep. There's never an excuse. Oh, Lord.
That was Jeff Bullock. Beautiful song, Oh Lord, Your Tenderness. And when you've been bashed and bruised and knocked around by a partner or someone in your family, you need the tender love of Jesus Christ. He'll bring you healing. But you know what? You also need help. And Hunty? Yep. I think we need to give some phone numbers. For sure. Yep. If you're experiencing domestic violence, you can call the domestic violence line. I want to give you this number, and I'll repeat it twice. one eight zero zero six five six four six three. That's one eight zero zero six five six four six three. You call that number, and you will get help. If you're hearing impaired, well, you can call one three three six seven seven. That's one three three six seven seven. But I want you to hear me now, really seriously. If you or your children are in any danger, then a call. Don't wait. Call emergency triple zero. That's zero zero zero. And get help from from the police. It's a very serious situation. And remember, if you are a victim, you don't have to take it. If you're a perpetrator, stop Stop. it. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I'd like to welcome to our show today Todd Brody. He's a friend of mine, has been for a long time. He's a husband and he's a dad. He's a Christian. In fact, newly baptised, but there's a story around that and we'll find out in a minute. And he's a fitness trainer. Welcome to the program, Todd. Thank you, Lloyd. Great to be here, mate. Now, um, I'm, I'm interested in you. I remember when you first came onto the scene in my church at the time, Warunga, many years ago now, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it's almost probably... 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah, and you're always, a, for me, a very positive vibe in the church. You, you, you brought, you brought a, a joy of life into the church. You, for the, the entire time I've known you, you've been an on-fire, born-again Christian. Well, it seemed to, to me, but tell us a bit about your life. Where were you born? Where were you brought up? My upbringing was, was I guess, quite a conservative one. I was brought up, you know, with, um, it was a positive vibe, I guess you could say, towards God and Jesus. My my parents were, were Baptists. We went to a Baptist church. You know, I <laughs> I distinctly remember our day of worship, you know, no TV, no cooking for my oh, mother. Okay. She needed a rest. Um, and the only thing on TV was either songs of praise or if my dad was a little bit liberal for that day, he might let us watch the Ten Commandments or Ben-Hur. And uh, I always got confused because the same actor was in both, but <laughs> Ben-Hur was always a a bit more action, but my, my upbringing, I guess, in, in a nutshell was, you know, you, you went to, to church, you had lovely old people that always smiled at you and you got dressed up and the people that, you know, were in our circle or our bubble were always, you know, quite kind. So I, I had a positive one, but again, as you know, when you're very young and you don't get exposed to much, you know, the real test is when, when you grow up a little bit more, but it was a, it was a good one. And, um, you know, I have to credit my parents, especially my mother, for for taking the time to, you know, reveal, um, you know, I guess Jesus and, and what his love is all about kind of thing. So it started early. Are you a Sydney boy? Yeah. Yeah, born and raised in Sydney. Okay. What about hobbies and interests as you're growing up and even now? What what, what interests uh, yeah. Todd Brody? What, what, what sort of things make you tick? Look, I was um, always adventurous. You know, I'm the youngest of, of seven. I was quite a lot younger than the rest of my siblings, so I had a, <laughs> a lot of freedom. You can put it that way. I think my brother said spoiled, but I, I disregard that. But, um, it was, you know, ride your BMX as long as you're home by night time, ride your skateboard, play over 
back with your neighbours. You know, I was quite a, you know, I tell the story that for some reason, I don't know how, but I had quite a, an extended vocabulary, yeah. uh, potty mouth, I would call it, and I was very okay. energetic. And, and I remember distinctively, I, I obviously was a bit full on for my older siblings, and they caught me in their room one time, and they, uh, they sat me down and they said, look, uh, can you tell us some of those colourful words you do? Uh, I said, what do you mean? I'm busy. I'm seven. I've got things to do. They said, you know, just share some of those uh, things with us. And I said, oh, you mean like this word? They said, yeah, that's it, that's it. And they let me go on off on a tangent. And I said, oh, you can combine that word with that word and have a whole new sentence. And they, they stopped me and pulled out a tape recorder. Oh, dear. said, if you continue to annoy us and get in our way and, you know, act in the way that you do, we're going to show mum and dad in which... I did whatever seven-year-old with a potty mouth would do and went on a tirade of more words. <laughs> that was kind of my, uh, for some reason, no one else in my family was like it. But, yeah, that was sort of me, a very venturous, very energetic, playing um, all the time. And then I think um, at that point, things started to change when my mum took a bit more interest in, in realising she needed to probably calm me down a bit. But I've always been that way and always had quite a thankfulness towards life, I guess because I had quite a lot of freedom. Um, you're into sport, or you yeah, were? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, retired, retired athlete now. But my um, my beginning as a, I guess, a worker, if you like, was a, a pro footballer or, or soccer player, as they call it over here. And that was, um, you know, for me, that was my dream as a boy. Um, so to live that dream was was wonderful. And yeah, I did that for a number of years before I um, I became a strength conditioning coach and. Um, you know, fitness trainer or personal trainer, uh, I guess, as I transitioned out. Yeah. But that was, um, yeah, that was a great time. And as long as I can remember, I've, I've been a footballer or a soccer player. So, so let's call it, let's call it soccer because <laughs> <laughs> this is Australia, mate. Football's yes, rugby yes. league. Good point. Good <laughs> and, point. Well, and, and if that's it, another discussion. <laughs> on a bad day, it's rugby union. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> the soccer or the football as a, a, just for a little bit. You, you started off in the junior ranks. You, you said you're yeah. an athlete. Did you actually ever in, in Australia play professional football? Ah, soccer. I better get myself right here. So they yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I guess the beginning was when I um, I got a scholarship to go to to England, which was to play um, and go to a team called Middlesbrough. Yep. And I know Middlesbrough. Yeah, and that was when I was just turned sixteen. So they had things like apprenticeships, and then I back then, if you didn't play, if you didn't have grandparents or parents that were from British descent, you couldn't yep. get a passport to stay. So I yep. came back after a couple of months. When that all ran out, and I went straight to the Institute of Sport in Canberra for a scholarship. So this is pretty serious. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful time. And then got asked back to second year, and was was captain of the institute um, in the second year, and and that then led into to signing in what we call the old NSL for yeah. a team called Marconi. Yeah, and that's a Marconi's yeah. a fairly famous uh, football team in Australia, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, I think I just turned nineteen, and so that was. Um, yeah, the start of, I guess, my pro contract, and that was, you know, nice for, you know, spending a couple of years at the Institute where you're groomed for that kind of thing, and you're, you're in the squads of the young Socceroos, and you, you travel around and tour, and, and that's everyone's dream, and it starts to become a reality, and then when it does, it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's not expected, but it's kind of like, well, yeah, this is what you trained so hard for, and it was, it was a wonderful time. So you're playing, you're playing for the young Socceroos, you're playing for Marconi, did you play for anybody else? Yeah, so after Marconi, um, 
I won't bore you with, with the whole journey, but I, I represented then uh, Sydney FC in their... We had a transition just before the A-League started. Yep. So I went on their, their Oceania or World Club Championship in, in Tahiti. And then wow. we at, and then we were going to go to... Well, we did go to Japan for the World Club Championship there to represent Oceania. And I did my knee about four weeks before the trip. Oh, no. So, yeah, which was... That just comes with the territory. But my sort of then... Uh, rehab and then I, I moved to Melbourne and went with my old uh, agent and coach that was at South Melbourne and um, but my pro sort of era ended not long after that and I went semi-pro with a team called Sydney Croatia or Sydney United Okay, where yeah. I um, yeah stayed for about five years and as sort of I got a bit older and a little bit more impatient I uh, decided it's probably good to start transitioning and that's where I I started being a a strengthening coach on the side and PT and had that to fall back on when I, I started to, to finish up. Was it your knee injury that got in the way of your career more than anything? I asked that with sympathy, actually, because a few years ago oh. I had a knee replacement and I shudder at knee injuries. Yeah, no, look, no, I, I'd say two things. One, I stopped doing the things that I did to get me there. Yep. Um, both professionally and personally. Yeah. Yeah, it was inevitable. I, I even had one of the players come to me that, you know, was, was not a believer and, mm. and I didn't necessarily know if I was one. He said, look, I don't really know too much about this and that, but I know one thing and someone or something doesn't want you to keep playing because, uh, this yeah. and this and this fitness over the years. And so for me, it was, it was actually refreshing because I knew exactly deep down what he was talking about. But I think, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time, but I also understood big picture that you know god gives us things and um you know if we honor him with it he gives us more and then as soon as we stop doing that he's more concerned with mm. who we are and our soul than than anything else and so i think yeah injuries but at the end of the day it was inevitable the way that i was living and and what i was um not focusing on and not doing anymore that i used to do when i was say at the institute or before Okay, so you got this Aussie boy growing up. He's a Baptist, comes from a fairly <laughs> conservative Baptist background. You're 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 actually yeah. typical Aussie. You're, you're into sport. You actually go a long way in sport, even representing Australia at different levels in the soccer. Um, but you've always been a church boy. You start to mention there at the end that Jesus is of the end of your story of your career that Jesus is calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, when and how did you meet Jesus? I mean, really meet Jesus. I'm not talking about just yeah. going to church as a kid. Really meet Jesus and start a start a deep <clears throat> walk with Him. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question because um, you know when when I look back um, on my life, there's, there's certain distinct times and, and people that God's put in my life, and um, you know I had a, a like I said before a positive influence. And when I looked at church or looked at God and, and all those Bible stories at the time, they were stories, but there was um, you know a sense of of foundation that was being laid and, and yeah. a positive influence. Sadly, others don't necessarily have the same. And my mother, knowing kind of, I guess, how I was at about seven or so, um, she did two distinct things. One, she took time mm. and she said, oh, let, let's do a, a thing called daily devotion. Oh, okay. So we started this thing uh, once. And the thing is, she said, we're going to learn the piano. Yep. But I remember in those times for about, I guess, six to 12 months every night, my mother was for us, you know, our, our bedrock and I really enjoyed those times and that was the first time I started to really understand and get the picture and, you know, there's a point where it has in one of the devotions I remember saying, you know, if you want to 
give your life to Jesus and invite him into your heart. And I asked mum about that and she said, oh, you know, this is when you you confess that, you know, there's a gap there that, that God has filled and, and through Jesus. And I said, oh, that sounds like I want to do that. That's great. Um, and she said, well, rightly or wrongly, she said, well, maybe we should wait a little bit longer and do a bit more study. And I remember um, I was nine and yes. I wrote it down on a piece of paper um, in 1997 and I obviously had then done about another year of study with mum and things had calmed down and I'd um, come to that same point and then I said mum can I ask Jesus into my life now and she said yeah if you want to I'd love to and we got down and we prayed and it was a great time and the the interesting thing that followed which I've shared at my baptism was God used my same potty mouth and my energy now in a, <laughs> in a mm. different way I don't know if you've ever met a young kid that's born again but suddenly I was saying um yeah, my, my father was, was the local mayor and we do, uh, things to help the volunteers and I'd give out helping things, um, election time and I'd speak to strangers and say, oh, praise Jesus. Jesus loves you. Ask God into your life. And you're, vol- and 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 you're, I, you're electioneering for your dad. <laughs> yeah, as I'm handing out a, a bottle of water or something. And I remember my mum saying in the car between sites, oh, look, um, you're in a good mood. I said, yes, it's great. And she said, well, you know, maybe you don't have to say, Every time, you know, that Jesus loves people. And I said, well, why not? She said, well, yeah, sometimes people don't want to hear that. And I said, well, all the reason, all, all reason why I need to tell them. But it became a one for one the next sight, you know, didn't yeah. say anything, gave a bottle of water. But look, for me, that was, that was the moment. But the, the change then and then what manifested and then I guess my football actually took off, uh, representative wise when I was about nine and 10. Um, I remember though, you know, my bubble still was, was, you know, church on the weekend, mm-hmm. school. And I remember we used to go to these camps and this was the very first time that I realized how life is. And we would go to camps for say five to seven days. We'd sleep over and there were boys from all over the state. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, I still kept at this point, you know, doing my night sort of daily devotions and, You'd be three or four in a room and the boys would sort of just look and one or two ask questions but not say much and, you know, the mob mentality comes. So I was, I remember being in the bathroom having a shower one, one of the days in this same camp mm. and I could hear this commotion sort of coming in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And all of the rooms starting to fill up. What's going on here? And I could sort of start to hear it getting loud and suddenly the door opens and all these kids start throwing, you know, you stay in those three star places with the, uh, English breakfast tea and yeah, the sugar. Yeah. They start throwing them at me and calling me a Christian and oh. <laughs> the English breakfast is falling all the way down. So I'm sort of a bit shocked and I just clean it up and they shut the door um, when they ran out of packets of biscuits. And I remember going out and it was just filled with these kids screaming and yelling and this, that and the rest of it. And someone picked up the Bible and throws it against the wall and it mm. falls to the floor and it falls out of its um, uh, covering and then you could have heard a pin drop and then um, I just calmly walked over and and picked it up and one of the one of the boys said oh sorry about that Broads and they just dispersed but that was the first time that I realized that because again I was only what nine or ten and hang on there's a lot of people out there that you know don't have the upbringing I have or aren't interested or don't like it mm. Um, but God was great, you know, he, he had no point that I had any anger or animosity towards them and he blessed me with a talent 
but it also strengthened me before I went to different points. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that time I spent with my mum and that time that I spent understanding God's love, you know, he's my heavenly father that has been there for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite Psalms is 139 where he talks about I was there and, you know, I was knit together yeah. in my mother's womb. He, yeah. he always had my back. And from then until I became a pro footballer, um, you know, it was it was just a continued progression of understanding and learning. It is a journey, and um, I remember one one extra time that really helped with my walk was when I was at the institute. We have a thing called Athletes for Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, at every Olympic Games, there's a chaplain, and every athlete around the world that's a Christian meets and prays together and talks together and shares wow, stories. Wow, that'd be good. Yeah, it's wonderful. So yeah. we, we were at the OS in ninety eight, ninety nine. So the, the two thousand Olympics was coming up. So yep. Pandemonium. It was. It was. You know, everyone was there. There was constant tours, constant overseas athletes. You know, athletes that for us were, you know, either really well known or about to be really well known. Yeah. So the whole vibe was great, and and we used to meet once a week with our chaplain and and all the athletes, and that was a really good time for me because that was the time that you know I could share, because um, I was the only Christian in my whole squad. Yeah. Um, That's amazing, athletes. really. You're the only Christian. Yeah. Oh, by a country mile. But but what was funny though is is you know the the, the potty mouth kid, um, and that was taught piano years later because they'd never heard me swear. Mm. The boys towards the end of my time at the institute put together a pot of money and said, "Bro, can you can you just say one swear word?" But put some money together. I've <laughs> never, never heard you swear. And I actually laughed. I said, "Mate, if you had known me when I was younger, and I I um." I also, when we went on tours or away games, and there was a piano, they'd say, "Bro, can you can you play something?" So it was yeah. quite a contrast with with where things were. But again, you know, you're 16, you're 18. Mm. You know, things are difficult, but not necessarily as difficult as what they might become. But you know, time, if you like, um, that I spent um, with my heavenly Father helped strengthen me, um, and I trusted Him. You know, yeah. I was I was at this point, my identity was a Christian, not necessarily a footballer, but that. Time as a nine-year-old, and then reconning my life at sixteen um, as a Christian. Before I just went to the OES mm. was a distinct time, but um, then it it started to really be very different once I I entered my early twenties and, and became a pro footballer. Mm-hmm. You mean you struggled more once you become a pro footballer to walk with Christ, or it was just different? Well, I just did the, the two things in the reverse. So my time, um, rather than being spent with you know, my Heavenly Father and reading His Word and his, his love letter, so to speak, was spent elsewhere. My trust then became as sold the footballer. So my, you know, there's the, the verse that talks about lean not on your own understanding. I mm. suddenly started to confide in myself, trust in myself, because your identity now is the footballer. Everywhere you went, mm. you know, you had people come to your training sessions and ask for your autograph. You travelled everywhere, you're on telly, but you started to, again, make choices based on what you wanted rather than perhaps what you used to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame my environment and I definitely don't blame my surroundings. It's my choice of where I put my time. You know, in, in my field now as, as a strength conditioning coach with, with young athletes or as a, a PT with my clients, you know, when we talk about diet, it's not the food necessarily, it's where you spend most of your time. What do you consume your mind mm-hmm. and your body with? And at, at this point, I just shifted. I stopped going to regular church. Um, I moved states to from Canberra to um, back to Sydney, but I, I didn't plant myself in a church straight away. I moved in with, with teammates 
um, you know, I, I, I stopped having my daily devotion. So you, it's like a bodybuilder that says he's a bodybuilder but hasn't done a workout mm-hmm. in five years. Mm-hmm. So it's inevitable that that's, the resilience starts to fade and consequently injuries came, consequently bad decisions, even if it was decisions based on contracts to take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it all unraveled. But I, I remember as a, as a kid saying, God, you know, if anything or anyone, including me, ever gets in the way of you being first, then please take it from me. And I want to be able to look back every six months, every 12 months and say, geez, I thought I knew God, but wow, I really know him now. And I'm, I'm thankful because when that guy did say, look, I don't necessarily believe in anything, but something or someone doesn't want you to play, mm. I didn't fear what he said. I actually, almost felt relieved as I said before because I knew what I had to do mm. and I now had the desire to just, you know, go to him mm. and start to put time and just trust him again. And I didn't care anymore about anything because my I was always thirsty. There was mm. a glass that always needed refilling. Mm. And I'd I'd remembered my foundations and I just wanted to go back there. Um and so for me, um you know, the time and the trust was just now in myself and, and not where it used to be. It's inevitable that you grow weak and, and your resilience fades. Thanks, Todd, for that. We're just going to take a little break, so I hope you don't mind waiting, mate. I want to play a song which I think is pretty relevant to what we've been talking about today. I Know Who Holds Tomorrow by the Petersons.
was the Petersons with I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. Okay, Todd, thanks for waiting, mate. Let's get back into it. So tell us about meeting your wife and what influence she's had on your journey. <laughs> well, God is good. So at a point where I made a distinct um, turnaround and said, all right, God, the next person I meet, I want uh, to be a Christian and I'm going to start going back to church. And that was my journey again. I moved back home for the first time since I was 16. I was now 24. And um, funnily enough, I within a, the places I was supposed to be for football and the contracts that changed and the coaches, it was a phenomenal sort of turnaround. I ended up being back home and um, I met a, a person who said, oh, it'd be great for you to meet someone and, Cut long story short, I met my now wife, and um, she um, was a Christian, uh, which is what the person told me, Which because she knew I'd only want to meet or date a Christian. Um, not that they're foolproof, but at least it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a common discussion. And um, we had a chat. She said, oh, no, I'm, I'm an Adventist. And I said, oh, okay. So I remember speaking to my pastor. I said, look, Peter, uh, look, are they like this or this denomination? Because I don't have the strength to help them. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 he said, um, no, they're this and this, so it's okay to proceed, so to speak, and and um, I did, and, and we had a good chat, and I said, well, why don't you, um, you know, introduce me to someone from your church, and we can talk about some things, and yeah. my my relationship, not my religion, has always been my um, focus, mm-hmm. and it's easy to trust someone or something when you have a relationship with them, it's That's very right. difficult to someone to trust in, in this case, God or Jesus or anything, when they have no relationship, no interest. But mm-hmm. my relationship had, I'd maybe gone away, but God never did. And I always felt his touch and his presence and not his judgment. And that was, of course, I was introduced to Jesus first yeah. before law. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I had this still desire to say, okay, well, a journey is, is exactly that. It's about to continue. So my salvation is assured, but what next does God want? So I went in with, a keen attitude to find out more. And once I worked out the salvation through, you know, Adventist is through Jesus, I said, okay, so what other truths can I find out? And and I remember having a chat with um, a pastor um, or a gentleman called Frank Tassoni, and and I said, look, just just, just tell me why uh, it's Saturday, because that's the the sixth day. And he goes, no, 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 it's that simple. So he opened the Bible and he said, look, Jesus died on a Friday. They prepared for the Sabbath on Saturday. And they, uh, Jesus rose on the third day to Sunday. And I said, okay, well, in my experience, any time man has changed anything, even minuscule, it never ends well. Mm. And I'm not going to trust my own understanding. I'm going to trust my Lord. So if that was um, what was around in Jesus' time, then that's, uh, that's what I'm going to start doing. So for me, remember at the time playing football and being a PT, in this case, Saturday was, you know, full. Mm. It was, um, but for me, I also knew where to trust. And so with, within a week, I then said uh, to my uh, fiancé at the time, I said, uh, okay, well, if you allow me to come to your church, let's uh, let's do it. So that's where my journey continued um, in now into, I guess, the Adventist church. And um, she had a, a wonderful, humble, God-fearing, uh, Jesus-centered heart. Mm. Um, and that was nice because I was a little bit, energetic and charismatic and liberal so it was nice to come back a little bit to um to actually trust again and and the foundations that were laid when i was a kid and you got baptized not long ago mate i did i did and that was um that was great 
it, it was it was interesting because when I first came, I remember speaking with you years ago. And if I came from a Baptist church, then <laughs> surely I'd be baptized. And it's a it's an interesting one. When I recommitted my life to Jesus at sixteen, and I left very soon after to go to England within a month or two, it just never came about. And I remember saying that I'd, I'd love to do it when and if I have kids and they're old enough to witness it, you know, because my salvation is assured since since I was younger, but I want people to understand that my Heavenly Father has always been there mm. and always be there for you. Mm. And the relationship that I have with Him is far out, out past as anything. And so it was, it was with great joy that I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And we got baptized, or I got baptized a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, you played a big part in that because your ministry and your witness when I first came to, in this case, Warunga Church 12 years ago, really showed me that, um, you know, the Adventist uh, church and, and what you stand for is, is on point, and uh, I've never felt so at home, mate. Actually, it's amazing when you look at a story like yours, how many people were involved in in your journey to Christ, really, isn't it? It's, it's What do they say? It takes a village, uh, not a person, to, to bring someone to Christ, and you've had a number of influences, not the least your mum and then your wife, and then your friends and pastors at the churches you've been at. Um, yeah. What, what, just finally, what advice would you give a young person who's into sport uh, in a big way and is good at sport yeah. and wants to serve Jesus Christ? Ha, ha, is there any advice you'd have, having been a professional athlete, been through the mill, know what it's like? Yeah, 100%. Look, we've... Uh, I, I, I talked about time and trust before. Mm. And when you have, when you're trying to be an athlete or you are an athlete, it consumes you because it's so hard. Mm. Like to be an athlete is so much sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to say no to to many things and yes to to only a few. And to have that mentality and that focus is very difficult, right? But it's even more reason why if you really, you know, trust your heavenly Father and you trust Jesus then he's not going to give you something you can't handle, but he also knows what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So if that means that he wants to take it away from you and, and help you in another direction to serve him, you have to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then you're going to find out the hard way like I did. Mm-hmm. You know, As soon as I, I sort of put that first in front of God, then it meant that I no longer wanted to seek his guidance or his help. And I, I didn't have to have that attitude. You can't serve two masters. If I continue to let him be the Lord of my life and spend time with him, um, it also meant that the anxiety and the the loneliness that comes with being an athlete wouldn't have been there. Um, they say athletes die twice. Mm-hmm. You know, when you retire or you get injured, yeah. it's, it's horrendous because yeah. your whole identity in life, for, for most athletes, has been since they've been very young because yeah. they've been successful winning yeah. races or whatever. Now, when an athlete, let's say it's a sprinter, wins the gold medal or, or, or wins, you know, the Olympic Games, etc., mm. they get to the top Everest and they say, okay, is that it? Mm. Now, they either realize that, okay, no, I want that again, and then something else happens like an injury that prevents them and then they don't know what to do with their life, or they go, is this it? What else is life all about? Yeah. And that happens at all different levels of athletes, whether they get injured younger or they don't make it as high as they could have yeah, or yeah. they make it and they just want more. And so... For me, I remember being, you know, at a point of so much broken and loneliness because I was living my dream, so to speak, but I also knew how empty I felt. 
And for those that are aspiring to be athletes, you can still be an athlete and a Christian, and you'll have a wonderful, wonderful platform. Well, that was going to be my question. Can you be an athlete and a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. You can be because it's similar to being, I guess, a platform like a musician or yeah. or an actor. But you've got to be mindful of the fact that it's your own desires, it's the world, and it's, you know, if you believe in Satan, him as well, trying to pull you away from what you know best. But I, I, I still believe it comes down to trust. Trust God. Yeah. He knows what's best for you. And he will give you some. And if you're honored with him, your life and, and your talents and you're a good steward, he'll give you more. And... um if whether it's your sport or something else that gets in the way and you put it first before God, then uh, yeah, you, you may find um, you lose everything, mm. not just what you want to do as an athlete. So it can be done, but just spend as much time as you can strengthening yourself um, because you can be a wonderful example. It, it is easy to stand out in that environment, yeah. but it also takes a lot of bravery yeah. and a lot of courage, and, and uh, God will help you do that. But um, if I look at all the times I had, a success. So when I started as a ten-year-old in rep football, and then at sixteen going to England at Alias, and then nineteen going to pro football. Just before those points, I had a distinct helper or person or time that strengthened my yeah. my uh, belief. Yeah. And so that was no fluke. Mm. But I also saw that every time I had an injury or every time I struggled, I couldn't remember the time before that I'd even been to church or read the Bible. Yeah. So spend time with your Lord and question everything. If there's people there that don't necessarily have a relationship with God and it's more about religion or they don't necessarily believe at all, then I, I think question everything. Don't just believe something because you've been brought up that way. And two things happen. One, you'll either the house of cards will fall down very quickly and realize, you know what, this is nothing to believe in. This is just something I've been brought up with or my yeah. culture. Yeah. Or secondly, it will strengthen your resolve and you realize, hang on, this is the first time maybe now as a teenager or an adult I've actually thought about this whole religion or yeah. relationship yeah. and now it stands up. And if it's true now that I believe it to be, you'll be even stronger for it. Yeah. And I think that's important for a lot of us to, to not be afraid to question and ask God or the Bible or anything like that. Yeah. Do you um, still strap on your boots and go out and play for the kids in the backyard? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I, uh, I've, I've only started recently to watch games again. Okay. Um, probably for almost yeah, seven or eight years I didn't, but I'm, I'm a strength conditioning coach now back at Sydney Croatia, Sydney United for the yep. first time in 10 years. Yep. Um, so I, I do love being in the environment again, but I, I can do it now from a bit of a distance and I can help the athletes out one-on-one yeah. that's... Um, you know, and I, I, I feel very blessed to be in that position to help yeah. them out because they're, they're where I was, and I, I see sometimes the, um, the need that they, yeah. that they have. So I don't kick the ball, mate, but I watch others do it and help them do it. Well, God bless you, mate. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Lloyd. Thanks for having me on. Huh? God bless you too, mate. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Believe the first time I met Todd, and I found out pretty quickly he played in the Australian soccer team. Wow, he's a superstar, absolutely. <laughs> and he's found Christ, and it's amazing to me too how, as you find Christ, or as Christ finds you, because I think that's the way it works. You're uh, 
desire and love of sport diminishes yep. and your love for Christ increases. Not that sport's wrong, that's right. but Christ becomes the dominating feature in your life. And that's his story, how Jesus... and, and, and a fantastic story. How Jesus too. walked with him, but how Jesus walked with him all the way through that journey is quite yep. amazing. And he's yep. a really... I know this guy pretty well. He's a really, really good bloke. Nice. Now, Hunty, we have got some questions in. Yeah, we do have a few, yes. Some hard ones, actually. Some rippers. <laughs> yeah. It's not too late. If you want to send in a question, Hunty. Yes, you can uh, SMS or text it to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email us info at aussiepasta.com. Yeah, so that's 0488-880-851 yep. or info at aussiepasta.com. Too easy. <laughs> Thanks for putting that dot com. Got dot com. <laughs> Just in case you for the last thirty years under a rock. <laughs> Keith and Kristen Getty, you know where they're from? No. Ireland. Ah. I remember when I came across these guys probably five, ten years ago. They are Irish Christian modern hymn songwriters. And they got beautiful, beautiful music. This song, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness, it's one of my favourites. <laughs>
Okay, time for the Aussie pasta, hunty. It is. You ready? Ready. Go. Alrighty. Uh, first question. Do you really believe people lived for hundreds of years before the flood? It's a pretty good question. It is. The Bible's very clear in Genesis that these people used to, and this is before the flood, live for huge, you know, you're talking centuries. I think um, Methuselah, who was the oldest, lived for 969 years. Uh, short answer is, yes, I do. Okay. I have no doubt that they live these long lifetimes. Why? Well, because the Bible says it. Can I prove it? Not. Just got to believe what the Bible says in faith. Somehow something was different before the flood, and after the flood it changed. Not long after the flood, we were only living 70 or 80 years. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Imagine if you did live for 900 to 1,000 years. <laughs> you'd have some close, to make it that long, you'd have some close shaves with death, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been alive for 57. I'd be just a young fella. I'd love that. I wouldn't be married yet. I'd, I'd be just a young fella if I was living that long. Uh, yeah, actually, I would be married if I'd met Liska. That's my wife. There I you go. Be, yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd survive ice ages and floods and you'd survive all kinds of tsunamis and things. Anyway, next yeah. question. Uh, do you believe in a flood? Kind of related. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Okay. I think there's evidence everywhere for a flood. I agree. I mean, I was up in the mountains of New Guinea. Um, Grand Canyon high too, and I saw I saw some big evidence. I'm not going to get into it now. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Grand Canyon, huge evidence. Wave Rock in WA. Yeah, huge, huge, huge evidences for a flood. I reckon we should get a guy on and talk about that. Actually, yeah, we should. Hey, maybe shout out maybe to one of those guys from Answers in Jesus. Science. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, shout out to David Edgar in WA. I think he's an airway. Are, are you rushing us on before I'm finished with this? I'm looking at the clock. I'm not finished with this oh. yet. <laughs> not answer, answers in Genesis. They're the guys we need to get on. Oh, yes. Love that. Indeed. Hunty's rush, rush, rush. See, he's the producer. I look at the clock. He's the director. I'm not worried about the clock. Not in the least. Not my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, do I believe in a in flood? flood? You better believe it. Yeah, me too. All right. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? That's the best question someone can ever ask. Ever. Yep. Because you're a sinner. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And for you to be able to live, you've got to give your sins to Jesus. He takes them to the cross. He pays for them. So if you if you invite him into your heart to be your saviour, that's what saviour means, then his death on the cross is punishment for your sins and you can live for eternity. And that's a pretty big thing, auntie, mm-hmm. for blokes like you and me who have been and still continue <laughs> to struggle with sin. sin yes. Um, this is a tricky one. Does God kill people? Well, he certainly creates people. Um, the one who kills people the most is probably the devil. He's the one who's responsible for all death, not God. God offers life. It's the devil that kills people. Does God kill people? Well, sometimes he'll take away life. I wouldn't call that killing, though, because life comes from God. And if life comes from God, life belongs to God. So God can give it as He does, and yep. then He can take it as He does. Yep. But He doesn't kill people. Does that does that make sense? What I'm saying, or you want to argue that? No, it makes sense. I'm happy for you to argue it. I, I find the whole see so you, you you can't you can't see him, listeners, but I can. He's got this. Let me explain. <laughs> let, let, let me uh, describe Hunty at the moment. He's got his earphones on. Yep. He's got this very uh, painful look on his face. Not sure about that. Push me. Well, I, you know, I believe in a God that's all loving and. Benevolent and kind, and I, you know, some of the things that he had to do in the Old Testament. Well, he's the sovereign. That's right, 
And when you're the sovereign, you're the sovereign. Yeah, you're not stealing life or taking life. If you created it, you're getting back what's yours. I don't sit behind this microphone and pretend for one moment that I can understand everything about God, but he is the sovereign. I do accept that and have for many years. Mm, so the things same. that happen in the Bible I don't get. I don't wipe them away. There are things in my mind that I'm going to ask God, but I do acknowledge right here today that he is He's the sovereign, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. He is the sovereign. Hey, I'd like to give a shout-out to to a, oh, this a, is the one a you're new going friend to do of ours. Before, yeah, before yeah, I interrupted. Yeah, David over in Western Australia, David Edgar. Uh, g'day, mate. Glad you're listening today. And also... You want to know something about David today? I do. He what? became a grandfather for his fifth child today. <sighs> Congratulations, mate. Yeah. And he's just started, he's just started uh, uh, attending church and celebrating the Sabbath. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd like to give a shout-out to Gwen Watson also. Um, she sent me quite the epitaph here, quite the, quite the very, document. Very good comments on that discussion on um, domestic violence. Absolutely. We've taken note, and we wish we could read it out, but we've run out of time, but they are really good comments. She, I'll, just, I'll just summarise. She says, I enjoy listening to the questions. And don't also always agree with the answers. That sounds, sounds like, like you and me. <laughs> I was going to say, she must be a friend of yours. Friend of mine. <laughs> well, you know what, Gwen, you should uh, write some questions in and push us a bit yes. in those areas you don't agree. I kind of, I'm not one of those pastors who doesn't like it when people disagree with me. I kind of like it, Hunty. Yes. Especially when we're forced to the scripture. Open up the discussion. Okay. We've yep. got to listen to this song because we've got a little Bible study to come yet. BJ Thomas, you, my favourite. Yep. I love this bloke. Yeah, me Passed too. away a few weeks ago. He did. You gave me love. You gave me time when no one gave me time of day. Look deep inside While the rest of the world Looked away You smiled at me When there were just frowns everywhere You gave me love When nobody gave me a prayer
You like that, Hunty? I do. Yeah, beautiful song, isn't it? Ripper. Hey, you remember we were up to in the Bible study? Yep, I do. There's war in heaven. Yep. These are all, these are all, <laughs> if you wondered <laughs> what that banging was, Hunty's just fallen off the table. No, I, I just gave you my glasses in case I have to read the Bible. <laughs> oh, dear. Would they have heard that on radio, mate? I'm hoping not. <laughs> they have now. I've made a noise. <laughs> Um, oh, I tell you what, sometimes we're Laurel and Hardy Gotta here. love life We're TV guys, not radio That's it But we're kind of enjoying it, aren't we? Yeah um, Satan and, and Lucifer Well, Lucifer, who is Satan, rebels against God in heaven Ends up on earth Here's a revision Adam and Eve join the rebellion Because they eat of the tree they're not supposed to Yep it kind of seems like a big deal for such a simple thing. But it was just a simple test, wasn't it? Hey, yep. who are you going to believe, God or are you going to believe Satan? Are you going to go with him and his rebellion or are you going to go with God and believe in him? I wish they'd gone with God mm. and believed in him. Life would be a lot better. We wouldn't be talking about things like domestic violence today, would we? True. If that had been the case. Mm. But it's not. And this is what I love about Jesus. I want to go straight to this prophecy again. So here's the scene. God's walking in the garden. Believe it's probably Jesus, hunty. Can't prove that, but that's what I think. Yep. So God's walking in the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve, and he finds them. And then he gives them a promise. And we're going to start in verse 14. Yep. And I like this. This is at the very worst time in the history of our planet. There has, hunty. I want you to get this. They've just fallen. They've joined the rebellion. All we've got ahead of us is death, death, death. Death, misery, pain, heartache. And I don't care who you are and I don't care how good life is for you. You cannot escape the pain and the heartache of this life. It's impossible, Andrew. Mm. And that's all ahead of us. No wonder Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives when he was here on earth and looked over Jerusalem and wept for the human race. And God is walking in the garden and immediately says, "This this can't be. I'm going to save you. And this is a promise, the very first prophecy in the Bible. If you're an atheist, if you don't believe in the power of the Bible, if you don't believe that the Bible is supernatural, you'd better start looking at some of these prophecies. This prophecy, Hunty, is, you know how old it is? How old? 6,000 plus, plus mm. years old. The first one in the Bible. Read it, mate. Verse, go verse 14 and 15. This is Jesus. This is God talking to the snake, talking directly to Satan, who's just deceived Adam and Eve. Yep, verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Stop there for a second. God's not talking just to the physical snake here. He's talking to Satan. He says, you are cursed. You are the lowest of the low. You will crawl on your belly. You know, when you crawl on your belly, you can get no lower because of what you have done. In my esteem, in my estimations, you are down in the dirt. But then he kind of brings the hammer over the top now. This is the end of the serpent. What does he say, verse 15? And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Direct prophecy of Jesus. I'll cause hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. I'll cause hostility between you and mankind and between those who follow you, Satan, and those who follow Christ. That's always been the way. There's always been hostility between those two groups. But 
The hostility comes from Satan's side. God's side's trying to save those in Satan's side. But then he says this, Jesus will strike your head. You will strike his heel. Now, do you want to get hit on the head or you get banged on the heel, hunty? Mm, Which one for you? Exactly. I'll take the lesser. Which is? The heel. The heel. Because the heel will hurt, but it won't kill you. Mm. Mm. You get done on the head, that's the end of it. And Jesus went to the cross. Satan hurt him. I mean, we're going to look at Jesus and the cross in the next couple of weeks. I'll tell you, that's a big deal. And Jesus got hurt, went into darkness, went into deeper darkness than any human being on the face uh, in all of history. That's Jesus when he went to the cross. But Satan, when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus doomed Satan for a turn. He was done. That was it. He got hit on the head. Victory. He'd been walking around for a wound on the head ever since. And his days are done, and he's going to go down, and he's going to go down real soon. Now, I want to finish with this because I reckon this is interesting. So God said, this is what's going to happen to you, Satan. But he's got kind of something for, for us too. Verse uh, 16, Hunty. Because we uh, fell, uh, Hunty's Russian for his glasses. I love to give these descriptions. <laughs> he's got his Bible open. Okay, Hunty. Verse, you thought we were done, didn't you? I did. Verse 16. Then he said to the woman. I so was... now he's talking to who? Um, Eve. Eve. Yep. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. <laughs> well, I wish I had more time Oops. for that. We'll come back to that one day. But the women are experiencing that. What about men? What do you say is going to happen to us? Uh, Every time you've got to go and take the and rubbish out, mow the, lawn, to mow the lawn, all these things, verse 17, hunty, what happens to us? And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living oh, from how it. true is that? Mm. It'll grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat its grains. Keep going. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Amazing, isn't it? So God curses the serpent and promises us he'll send a saviour, which he sent 4,000 years later. Sounds like a long time, but to God that's just like a moment. Yep. So he sends Jesus to save us, and then he says to Eve, you're going to have pain in childbirth. That's yep. the, I mean, us fathers, we know that's it's real. True. And he says to the man, you're going to have trouble getting out there making a living. And I mean, that has been the story of mankind for the entire history of the world, hasn't it? Yep. What I like about this story, and it hasn't finished. We're going to go on next week. Next week we start to get into the cross. I mean, kaboom, this is fantastic. What I like about this story is it's all about Jesus and his love.
I just want to pray for every person who's joined us on this program today. I want to pray, Lord, that they'll get an experience with you, that they'll understand you better, that they'll know you more, and that they'll get to realize how wonderful it is what you offer, and that is eternal life for you and you alone. We praise you for it today, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You know, Hunty, these are the shortest Bible studies I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of them are between six and eight minutes. But I really hope and pray that our listeners are getting a sense and a feel for these Bible studies and what we're sharing because it really is the most important thing. And I'm trying to keep them simple, yep. easy to understand. But if you've got any questions on these Bible studies, yep. don't hesitate to send us a text or an email. And remember, we are praying for you. Send your prayer requests in too. But if you've got any questions, we'd be very happy to help you. God bless. My name's the Aussie. Well, I'm Lloyd Grollam and I'm the Aussie pastor. I'll get this right and I love you. Jesus, he loves you a whole lot more. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 